what if you didn't get less? What if you got more? What if you what if you got more than you could have even imagined for yourself? What if you got more than you could have planned with your own ego's intelligence and your own limited perspective of the mind? What if you got more? Maybe not what you expected, maybe not what you wanted, but better. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Jackson Gage Collective. My name is Jackson Gage, and this is my podcast. Some say the most intriguing podcast in the world. I tend to agree with those that say that. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. And thank you for leaving ratings and reviews. I appreciate all of it. Um, make sure you follow me on Instagram at The Increase Life and hit me up if you have any questions there. I would appreciate all of it. I appreciate connecting with you and I love to hear what you have to say. And I love to try to answer your questions if you have any for me. So, with all that being said, uh, I want to kind of get right to this episode because I interviewed a very powerful dude today, a best-selling author. Um, I'm sure you've seen him on the internet somewhere. He was interviewed by Tom Bilyeu on Impact Theory. He was interviewed by Larry King. He has a book called You Are the One, a best-selling book. He also has a new book called The Magic of Surrender, and he is a beloved inspirational speaker and transformational teacher. Uh, he speaks at countless events. He organizes around the world as well as outside events, including AFEST, YPO, and Entrepreneurs Organization. He is a member of the Transformational Leaders Count Leadership Council, a select group of 100 of the world's foremost authorities in the personal development industry. He's the winner of the 2019 Unity New Thought Walden Award. Um, he's widely considered a next generation leader in the field of personal development. His mission is simple to awaken and inspire people across the planet to access inner freedom, live authentically and fulfill their true life's purpose. And, uh, when you listen to this guy talk, you can see and hear and feel and connect with the fact that he's living his purpose. He's passionate about his purpose. He wants to see change in the world. He wants to see transformation in people and he wants to help you, you know, become your most authentic self and find happiness in your life and find your truth, you know, and a lot of us are entrapped by <clears throat> our egos and our past conditioning and we find ourselves unhappy in life and we find ourselves questioning what the hell am I doing here and um, you know listen to Coop listen to what he has to say because there's ways out there's ways to find happiness there's ways to find your purpose and a lot of it begins with surrender and that is the topic that we will be covering today in depth for a little over an hour so get your notepads. You may want to listen to this one twice again. I mean, you could just sit and appreciate the power of Coot when he speaks, man. This dude is an amazing speaker and he's passionate about what he does. And I feel blessed and grateful to have him on the show. Make sure you check out his book, the magic of surrender. And let me know what you think about the episode. And thanks for listening. Let's get this on the road. Coop Blackson, welcome to the show, my friend. It's an honor, and let's do it. Okay, here we go. I'm here with Coop Blackson. For uh, this is the second time I've sat and uh, had the opportunity to speak with him, and uh, today we're going to speak about a, a super powerful topic that I think that everybody listening can implement into their lives in one form or another. I know it's something that I've had to learn repeatedly throughout my life, and I'm still learning it. And it's the topic of surrender. Coop has a very powerful book that I read twice by the name of um, The Magic of Surrender. And I just read it again, and I have a bunch of questions about it. But if you, uh -huh. you want to get started on it, just kind of tell us uh, what inspired you to write this book to begin with before we get into the topic of surrender. Yeah, look, um, honestly, this was not the book I planned to write. This was not the book I wanted to write even. Um, I had my own agenda. <laughs> I had my own intentions. Uh, I had my own desires. Uh, I remember after my first book was a bestseller, uh, I sat, thought I'd be clever, and I sat it with a whiteboard and uh, decided I would come up with some brilliant ideas for a new book. And I kind of brainstormed, like, oh, what books would people want? What books would publishers want? What books would be a New York Times bestseller? 
and I came up with all of these brilliant ideas, uh, but maybe a hundred of a hundred ideas, but none of these ideas felt right. None of these ideas truly felt aligned with my soul. None of them felt really authentic, if I can be really honest. And so I had all of these great ideas. I was looking at the board and the only word that rang true in my soul was the word surrender. If I was honest, like that was the word. And I felt a warmth. I felt a pull. I felt a, an ex I felt something. And I, it was undeniable. I mean, I could have just lied to myself, but it felt true. And I'm like, oh shit, this, this, this is, this is what's seeking to be written. There's what I want to write, but there is the book that is seeking to be written. And it feels like it has a life of its own, an intention of its own, a vibration of its own, and it's calling me. And so I had to surrender to the book about surrender. And when I did, it felt like everything flowed. And so I didn't feel like I wrote the book. I just felt like it was, I was a vessel for the book, to be honest. And so I would say the book was inspired by my whole life, but specifically, I think the seed for this book was planted because in 2016, my mother was diagnosed with stomach cancer. And uh, the end of 2000, 2016, I was traveling on tour a lot, uh, speaking about my first book, You Are the One. And I got a phone call as your mother has cancer, a shock, because for me, my mother was the person I loved the most. My mother was the closest person to me. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's heart-wrenching. And so I was living in LA and I decided that I would heal my mother and, you know, with all my alternative therapies and green powders and supplements. And, and I went back to, she was in London. I was flying back to London literally every, every month for a week for an entire year to just be with her. And after the first few months, I realized, geez, I think she has her own journey. And I don't know what will happen. And so I had to just surrender, you know, and, 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 and set her free. And I was still very hopeful. And, and what started out as the worst year in my life turned out to be the best year in my life because I got to be with my mother and I got to sit with her in chemo sessions and I got to just talk with her and love her and, and just spend time with her. And it was like, I even got to the place where I just blessed cancer, you know, for giving me a whole nother depth of relationship with my mother. And so about seven months into the process, um, the doctors, I remember being in the hospital in London and the doctors finally said, look, there's nothing we can do for you. So basically uh, get your affairs in order. You're going to die. They tell you in a nice way. And it, it's, it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's brutal, man. It's no matter how much you prepare for that moment, the reality of it is just, it, it, it hurts when you realize, wow, this woman that I love the most, my mom, who I, and we, you know, I had all of these dreams of things I wanted to do with her. Cause I thought I had time. I thought there was tomorrow. And this is like, we make so many plans thinking we have time. And the truth is we don't have time. We don't know when that moment's going to come. And so here I am in the hospital room, to be honest, full of regrets because I wished I just spent more time with this woman, you know? And I was a decent son. I mean, I loved her. We were super close, but so the only regret I have is like, wish I spent more time with her. And so I looked at my mother and I said to her, are you afraid? And my mother said, no, I'm not afraid. My mother's a little Japanese woman. And she said, I'm not afraid because I know that I'm not this body. And this body is just a temporary vehicle for my soul. And so this body will die, but what I am will not die. And I'll be with you from the other side. And I felt her conviction. I felt her knowing of who she was. And it gave me so much strength and peace. And she was unwavering, man. She was unwavering. And, then she, and I asked her another question. I said, look, I want to be a good son. What can I do for you? What do you need? What do you want? In love? What, like for your final days, because it's happening, right? Like, what do you want? When do you want to go? What can I buy you? And she looked at me and she said, there's nothing I want and there's nothing I need. The only thing I want is what God wants for my life. And that simple statement, I didn't realize, was the beginning of the seed being planted for the book. Uh, because in that moment, I saw a living embodiment. I saw in the depths of despair, in the depths of like facing your mortality, 
that she was profoundly surrendered. Like anyone can surrender when life is going well, you know, you're in a great relationship, you, you have money in the bank, you're getting everything you want or you think you want and cool, sure, no problem. I surrender. But when you're faced with death and, and your life ending and shit falling apart, it's like, can you truly surrender then? And so I saw that my mother was free. She wasn't attached to living. She wasn't attached to dying. She was surrendered, truly. And she was open to the highest unfolding of her life and her journey. And she was available. Like whatever her soul's journey was, she was like, I'm available. And I saw that this is why she was at peace, that this is why she was free. This is why she was like, I don't say neutral, but just, just free. She was surrendered. She was showing me surrender. And so when I remember looking at the whiteboard and brainstorming all these ideas, and I remember that moment and everything about my life and that experience and my whole life, to be honest, back to the moment, even how my parents met before I was born, began to make sense for me. And I thought, wow, I was, I was born to write this book on surrender, you know, and I resisted because I think in our culture today, there's so many, shall we say, misconceptions about surrender. This idea, and I thought, oh shit, if I write a book about surrender, will people read it? I mean, we know we should, but we resist it and all these reasons. And so is it, will it be hard to sell this book? And so um, I think there's so many misconceptions we have about surrender. This idea that surrender is weak, that surrender is passive, that surrender is waving the white flag, that if you surrender, you're going to be a victim, a doormat. It means like sell everything, move to the Himalayas. If you surrender... Uh, you won't manifest your goals, dreams, and desires. You're going to be taken advantage of. If you surrender, you're going to get less in life. And who the hell wants less in life? You know. And so for me, I believe if you really understand the true essence of what surrender is authentically, like, what if you didn't get less? What if you got more? What if you, what if you got more than you could have even imagined for yourself? What if you got more than you could have planned with your own ego's intelligence and your own limited perspective of the mind? What if you got more? Maybe not what you expected, maybe not what you wanted, but better, but more. And I think to me that the, the possibility of surrender is. And when I looked at many of my heroes, people that I loved, respected, uh, inspired me, Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Mandela, Martin Luther King, uh, you know, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, all of these sort of great figures. I saw that at some point of their life, they all, they all had to surrender. They all surrendered themselves, the life they thought they should have, who they thought they should be. They surrendered themselves to a purpose that was bigger than them. They surrendered themselves to God, the infinite intelligence, the universe, their soul, the deeper truth. They surrendered themselves. And in that surrender, they, I think each of these humans, they, 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 they transcended their human limitations. And in that transcendence they tapped into another dimension of life and life was able to flow through them life was able to move through them life was able to manifest through them and use them in a way that was so impactful for humanity and so you know we think oh if i surrender i'm gonna be like sit in the corner and just sit there no life these were powerful humans but they tapped into another dimension of life and power and, and life moved through them and manifested through them in ways that they probably couldn't have planned or imagined for themselves. And so I think surrender is the real key to the next level of our life. Surrender is the real secret to uh, manifestation. Surrender is the real, is the password, you know, to real freedom, as I saw with my mother. And so just to clarify to me, surrender is a letting go of control, or shall we say the illusion of control, control being a master addiction. Surrender is is, is when we stop trying to force life to fit our limited idea of how we think it should be and how we think life should be so that we can be available and open and we take the limits off of life so that we can be truly available, open to allowing life in its intelligence to show us the highest intention of life and a, and a situation to reveal itself. And so I think surrender is uh, surrender is the new way. Yeah, that's all right. That that was that there, there we go. There's our podcast. That was that was powerful, man. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's powerful that you, you know, you took that situation with your mother and you you took the inspiration that you got mm -hmm. from surrendering to that situation and learning that mm -hmm. powerful spiritual truth from your mother. And you 
took it and you turned it into an eternal piece of light for everybody else in that book, you know? So that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's powerful, man. You know, so mm -hmm. thank you for giving us that gift, bro. First. And secondly, for the people listening, um, you know, surrender, you, you know, you've been on this path forever. You know, I've, this yeah. is the path I've walked and I, I understand surrender and how I can implement it in my life. Um, a lot of the people living, I mean, listening are still, uh, they might not quite understand the concept and how they can apply it to their life and how their, maybe their, their ego is controlling their mm -hmm. life. Or maybe how, you know, what I see is a lot of people have built lives around themselves, uh, especially maybe some of my listeners have built lives yeah. around themselves that society has uh, expected of them and they find yes. themselves unhappy. And, yes. Uh, so how, how can they apply surrender to their lives to find more? Yeah. I, I think you mentioned, look, I understand, you know, I think, surrender feels scary let me let me start here i'm going to i want to break it down from like many different angles right um but just to challenge people for a moment because yeah unless we challenge we don't grow if we just listen to what we already believe and what's comfortable how would we evolve how would we grow how would we expand you know we have to go outside of our comfort zone in order to be more than we are right now and so if every single person i don't care if you're spiritual i don't care if you feel surrender is bullshit i don't care if you believe in anything, yoga, spirituality, personal growth, nothing. But if you're a human being, likely you've had sex if you're an adult, you know? Uh, and, and, and if everyone, if you think about your greatest, your greatest, I want to challenge everyone. Think about your greatest sexual experience for a moment. It's blissful, amazing, orgasmic. You were just like, ah, oh, it was just, you were in rapture. Why was it so blissful? Why was it so amazing? Why was it so incredible? Did you come to that experience with a notepad and, and, and an iPhone and a, and, a, and a business plan? And Okay, I have my entire, you know, hey, darling, I have my entire, you know, two hours of the sexual moment mapped out. Okay, minute one, here's what we're going to do. You're going to kiss me on the left cheek. The next minute, turn over. And in three minutes from that, then you do this. Then we move here. Then we do an entire script. You hand out the plan to everyone. And this is what we're going to do for the next two hours on our lovemaking experience. Hell no. <laughs> you know, lovemaking was so beautiful because we so because we surrendered. You know, we didn't know what the hell was going to happen. We were in the moment. We were trusting. We were feeling. We were just one with the moment. We dissolved. We got ourselves out of the way. So we've all. I don't care if you're Pablo Escobar, you know, or 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 the most spiritual yogi on the planet. You've had a moment of surrender, just even in the most blissful lovemaking experience. Yet. In life, we want to like control every single second, every single moment, every single minute. Wonder why we're so frustrated. If we had sex that way, nobody would be having sex because it would probably be the most painful experience of our life, right? <laughs> and so, you see, surrender is your natural state. It's your natural state. I know it feels, it can, yes, I will acknowledge, it can feel difficult, and I'll explain why. It can feel challenging. I'll explain why. It can feel scary. I'll explain why. It can feel terrifying. I'll explain why. But first, I just want to say a framework, a paradigm. Surrender is your natural state. It's innate. It's natural. We all want that feeling. Why do we go drinking? Oh, I'm going to go drinking this weekend so I can just like lose myself and just I feel a bit looser. And Why? Because for that moment, we're drinking some alcohol and just, just with the friends, like we just like, I feel loose. I feel because that's a, that's a mini micro surrender for a moment. We just we want to sort of loosen our ego's grip on our sense of self, and so surrender is your natural state. If you look at a child, the child is surrender. The child is free. You see, what resists surrender is the ego. Let's get that clear. The ego is what we mistakenly believe ourselves to be. The ego is that perceived sense of self <clears throat> based on name, body, form, beliefs, thoughts, feelings, memories, past experiences that we hold onto and we call this version of ourselves me. This is who I am. And the degree to which we hold on to all of these ideas about ourself, I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm, a, I'm not this, I'm a that, I'm a this. The degree to which we hold on to that is ego. And it gets reinforced by culture, society, media, life, those around us. And now we hold on so tightly living in a prison of our own 
persona, a prison of our own identification, wonder why we don't feel happy or feel free. And so we've been conditioned to believe we are the ego. And for the ego, the ego's job, see, the ego is not even really a real thing. It is a process of identification. It's a process of identifying ourselves as all of these things and what we believe ourselves to be and our ideas and concepts about ourselves. But it's not a thing. It's a process. A bicycle is a thing. Pedaling is a process. So, so identification and holding on is ego. When we understand that ego is not, a, is not what we are, and ego isn't necessarily real, it's a process of holding that is a reaction from life, from childhood, from growing up, as a way to protect us and keep us safe. See, the job of the ego is to reinforce its existence and to protect you and keep you safe. This is why the ego doesn't want to change. This is why we don't want to change. We don't want to question. We don't want to go outside of our comfort zone. We don't want to surrender because for the ego, what we believe ourselves to be, surrender feels like a death. Surrender feels terrifying. Surrender and let go. Shit, I might, I might get hurt like I was hurt when I was five. I might feel pain and I don't want to feel that. So I just learned to shut down. And so the ego doesn't want to question. The ego doesn't want to change. The ego wants everything and everyone else to change, but it doesn't want to change. This is the self-preservation mechanism has good intention. So when you say surrender, let go, embrace the unknown, for the ego, what we believe ourselves to be, it's like, hell no. It's, it's resistance. It's well-intended, but it's limiting. Limiting its self-preservation. So we have to understand the nature of the ego and what the ego is. It's not real and it's not you. You are not your feelings. You are not your thoughts. But if you identify with them and you hold so tightly to them, that's ego. And that's where the limitation comes in. You see, the reason I say surrender is natural. When you look at a child, a child is free. We were all children once. A child, is free. A child will jump on the table naked. Doesn't pee on the floor. It doesn't know until we, me, you, we start telling the child, oh, bad girl, bad boy, that's not right. This is right. This is wrong. Believe this. Don't believe that. This is who you are. You're not enough. You could do better. Get all A's. And so we are these pure beings surrendered. We hit up, we, we, we would sing at the top of our lungs. We don't care if we don't sound like Bruno Mars or Celine Dion. We just sing until we're told we can't sing. And now we get all self-centered and self-conscious and start hiding, right? And, and, and ego starts getting created as a way to cope, as a way to function and survive. And, and so with these pure beings, we incarnate into this human experience, surrendered, being in the free flow of the moment, just open, available to life, curious, not on a rigid position. We don't really know who we are. We're curious about everything. We're in the surrender state until shit happens, right? And so one of the things that happens is we start, we, we incarnate and we meet our parents. God bless their souls. Our parents, you know, they're great people. They were all just pretty much trying to do the best that they knew how to do based on their parents and their childhood and their upbringing. So we are now born into a preset framework of generational conditioning, momentum of generational karma, conditioning, programming. We're born into this. That already creates a certain pressurized, you know, conditioned factor that we're now living inside of. Maybe dad is crazy. Maybe mom's an alcoholic. Maybe they're fighting all the time. Maybe there's abuse, pain, dysfunction, trauma. Maybe they're great people, but they didn't know how to meet our emotional needs in some way. And that was painful because shit, here I feel like so vulnerable and my needs aren't being met and I don't trust life. And so rather than feel the pain of no one's there for me, my parents aren't there for me, I'm not loved. We just shut down, suppress, disconnect. Shut down our feelings, suppress our feelings, disconnect, tune up, go numb, disconnect, erect walls around our hearts. We begin the process of control, the process of learning how to manage and control our experience and manage and control our feelings and emotions come into play. And so now we start suppressing, suppressing, suppressing layers and layers and layers and layers and layers and layers and layers, and layers, and layers of unfelt, unacknowledged feeling kind of buried. We get buried underneath the layers of unprocessed feeling. And now we've erected, uh, uh, created a mechanism to not feel, to function and survive. Now we start controlling how we experience life. And what works for us when we're five, maybe works for us when we're 10, 
But when we get to 25 and 35 and get into relationships and fall in love, it's like some of these mechanisms that we learn to like disconnect, not feel, go into our mind, overanalyze, control everything. Because the ego thinks if I can control everything, I can control how you see me. I can control my feelings. I can control the world. If I can control the government, I can, if I can control my pet goldfish, if I can control everything, then I'm not going to get hurt again. So this mechanism of control is well intended. It's just we learned a very limited strategy and mechanism and way of dealing with reality as a way to survive. And then we start learning as children. See, but then we actually think that's who we are. Oh, I'm just, I'm just funny. You know, I just don't have emotions. I'm just analytical. No, we've often learned a certain way to just cope. And so we then learn a way of being to go into the world, the sense of who do I need to be? in order to get love and validation and approval. Oh, so we now do a dance. We betray parts of ourselves. Oh, when I'm funny, dad loves me. When I got all A's, mom loves me. When I don't do this, I, I don't get that look, that validation. So we start controlling ourselves in shape. We develop a role, a mask, a persona as a way to be accepted, as a way to get love, as a way to be validated, as a way to feel worth, as a way to feel okay. And so we become the nice person, the, the know-it-all, the funny one, the, the entertainer. We become the, the caretaker of everyone, the perfect child, the perfect son, the overachiever. And we develop a role. And we now end up living inside of the role and contort ourselves to be living inside of this role, not realizing, thinking that the version of ourselves that we've become is who we are, but it's not. It's just a conditioned program pattern that we've kind of learned to be in order to avoid pain and get love. And so we have to be willing, and this is ego, right? We have to be willing to question ourselves, but it's scary because to question ourselves is to let go, to surrender is to let go. And for the ego, it's terrifying. It feels like a death, which is why we, we don't. And so it's well intended. The resistance and the, the, the I don't want to know, I don't want to do things different. I don't want to let go. I don't want to quit. It's well intended. It's out of fear. It's out of survival that we've learned. And so when we understand that, then we can begin, we have to be willing to question ourselves because the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not free. And the degree to which we're not we're, we're conditioned is the degree to which we don't have free will to really choose. We're just reacting out of our past. We're just creating a future out of our past, just slaves to our conditioning in our childhood and pre-programming. And so we have to be willing to first be conscious that hmm, maybe, maybe what who am I? And maybe is who I am who I think I am. And what do I really believe? And we have to be willing to question ourselves. And, and, and then we have to be willing to sort of see and understand our ego for what it is. When we understand, oh, I am not the ego. It's a program. It's a pattern. We don't have to force ourselves to let go and force ourselves to surrender because it's scary. You know, our strategies and who we've learned to become is delicate. It's tender. It's raw. These mechanisms, many of them have... Have, have have been learned to just cope and survive. And so just to like let go, it can be terrifying, especially for those young, those, those, those delicate parts of us. That's like, if I just like trust, then if I open my heart in relationship with my wife or with my husband, then if my needs aren't met, that, that, that that's going to be painful. So you want me to just like open my heart and trust you and then not be disappointed and feel the pain I felt when I was five? Hell no. I'm going to just stay closed a little bit. You know, I'm not going to just love and open my heart. And so we remain closed. And now we go into relationship closed. We go into relationships closed, not open, and no one can really get in and love doesn't really get out. And over time, it can screw up and mess up our relationships because your partner says, I don't feel you. I don't feel your heart. I know you love me, but I, I want to feel more. And so what works for us starts limiting us. So it's important that we cultivate a relationship with ourselves where we can see our patterns. First, we've got to acknowledge that we're conditioned. Then we have to see our conditioning without judgment. And shall we say, for, to, to simplify, to begin holding our ego, holding the ego, holding the, the mechanism, holding our conditioned aspects with love rather than saying surrender now. It's scary. But if we can hold our fear and conditioned parts, conditioned aspects with love and with compassion and with tenderness and kindness and understanding it's like yes i know it's scary to let go it's scary to surrender it's scary to go into the unknown like bad things might happen because maybe we were abused maybe like we were hurt maybe we were heartbroken so if we can meet ourselves with 
a bit of compassion, you know, a bit of tenderness. And maybe it might even mean, like part of surrender might mean you have to acknowledge that you're not surrendered right now. It's like, okay, I'm not surrendered right now. I'm resisting right now. And it's okay to surrender to wherever you're at in the process and embrace that and hold yourself through that so that you can love yourself through that. And that's when I think we can begin to relax and relax and feel safe and bring loving to those parts of ourselves that are hurting. And when we can bring loving to those parts of ourselves that are hurting, that's when healing happens. And so part of the surrender happens when we start relating to ourselves with compassion and love. Let me stop there. <clears throat> no, it's good, man. Thank you. Um, what, what would you say, uh, kind of bouncing off of that question, what would you say are some, uh, maybe some indicators to a person that it's time to think about surrender you know, uh, I know that it's a... Uh... So, sure. So here's the thing. So it's an interesting question. What are some indicators that it's time to think about surrender? Whether you think about surrender or not, surrender is happening. Life itself is a process of surrender. It's not about whether you're going to surrender. Because when you die, you will have to surrender whether you like it or not, you know? Um, and I hope we all live a long life. But every moment of life is a process of surrender. Shit doesn't go your way. Traffic doesn't go your way. The fact is we're born and then we get older and the, the, the joints start to ache. And then, you know, we start getting a few wrinkles and, you know, just, just hair falls. Stop, just stop. It's life is the process of surrender. So it's not about whether you're going to surrender or not. It's really about how will you participate in the process of life? How will you participate in the process of life that is surrender? Are you going to resist it or not? Because whether you surrender or not, it's happening. So you don't really have a choice because at the end of life, when you hit 50, 70, 80, 120, you're going to die. And at that moment, you're forced to surrender. And if you live your entire life resisting, 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 you know, one of the causes of suffering is to resist what is. One of the causes of suffering is to come at life from the standpoint of, the, and this is another form of control, well intended, but it creates suffering. The experience that is happening is not the experience that should be happening. I should be having some other experience right now than the experience that's happening. And whenever we, whenever you're suffering and you look at, you look yourself and you check your attention, you will always find that internal resistance in place. The experience that's happening is not the experience that it should be happening. And so surrender is unavoidable. You can surrender now. You can surrender tomorrow you can surrender next year you can surrender at the end of your life for those that believe in another life then you're gonna have to surrender in another next lifetime and another lifetime who knows but uh i think we will have to surrender at some point and so i think we can participate in the process of life because there's so much of life that you cannot control you can't control what the weather's going to be you can't really control what your spouse is going to do your spouse could die your spouse could cheat your spouse could disappear like there's so many. you can't control the airplane you can't control the government you can't control a pandemic you there's so much we can't control what we can control is the meanings that we choose to make up about a certain experience and what we choose to make them mean in a particular moment that determines our experience of reality and so when we can surrender to so much out here that we don't have control over and we let go of trying to control the things we have no control over and we start focusing on what do I have control over, which is my response, my intention, my awareness, my communication, my interpretation of events and the meaning I give, that starts to free us up a bit more. And so if you are, I would say, and we all as human beings, look, folks, life is not an easy process. So I would just first say, if you're listening to this conversation, you're alive. The fact that you're in this human experience, I congratulate you. I respect you because life is challenging. Life is sometimes difficult. You know, it's easier to be like in some other dimension or wherever the dimensions are. I'm not sure, but, you know, another dimension in, as an angel or what have you, because it's utopia up there. But living in this world full of bliss and piss, living in this world full of up and down, this world is a realm of duality. This 3D world is a is made up of 3D duality, interdependent, polaric opposites. That's the nature of life. Up, down, good, bad, positive, negative, light, dark, yin, yang, male, female, plus, minus. It's physics. It's the Tao. When you expect it to not be different and you look for peace out in the world, you look for freedom out in the world, you will suffer. 
because you will not find infinite peace, utopia in the world. It doesn't exist in the world because the world is a realm of limitation and the world is imperfect. And that's the dualistic nature of the world. I think the dimension of freedom and perfection is not at the body either. It's at the depth of our being, what we are, which is freedom. We are freedom. We are infinite beings. We are whole, perfect, and complete. So I think we've got to surrender to what we truly are, our true nature as infinite beings, you know, because then we are free rather than looking for freedom out here because the world is transitory. The world is temporary, creation, destruction. And so when we're constantly expecting the world to be a certain way for us to be free, we suffer. So we have to kind of surrender to the way the world is. It is what it is. It's going to rain. It's going to sun. There will be good people and there will be bad people. It's just the nature of things. It's plus and minus. When you can expect accept that without expecting it to be different, without hoping it's going to, I hope that it's going to be whatever it is. You can meditate all you want, affirmations all you want, but there's going to be some, you know, jerk of a guy or girl that's going to cut you off in traffic. And it's just part of the duality of life. When you can accept it and embrace it for what it is, it's like accepting the ocean, that the ocean will always have waves. It's never going to just be flat. Like you're going to go to the ocean, it's going to be flat. It's going to have waves. Why? Because it's the ocean. So when you can accept the nature of the ocean, then you can jump into the ocean. You can't control the ocean. But many of us, we go to the ocean like, I'm going to control the ocean. I'm going to like take all these things and like put a contraption to you can't control the waves if you do you're going to be miserable you're going to it's going to drive you crazy but what you can do is jump into the ocean and learn how to surf and learn how to swim and learn how to scuba dive you know and learn how to go deeper and learn how to be Laird Hamilton and surf bigger waves this is what we have control over you know this is what's in our power and so if you are in a point in your life where you're experiencing pain you have to ask yourself why am i resisting you know, often what keeps us stuck are all the ways that we lie to ourselves as human beings for the reasons I shared, because we're conditioned. We're constantly lying to ourselves about what we feel, who we are, what we want. We stay in relationships that we know are not aligned. We work jobs that we hate, that we know are out of our integrity. We say yes when we mean no, betraying ourselves. And then we wonder, why do I not feel happy? Why do I feel pain? When we lie to ourselves, pain is inevitable. Pain. It's proof that we're lying to ourselves. When we're out of our own true integrity, it's not meant to feel good. It's meant to feel like shit. It's meant to not feel alive. And that is a sign that we're actually healthy. And the pain is giving us feedback, showing us, showing us where we're not truly aligned. But what we do as human beings, which keeps us in pain even more, in, even more, is we distract ourselves from the pain. We drink it away, sex it away, drug it away, shop it away, social media away, work it away, just so that we don't have to feel the pain, which keeps us stuck even more. And now we go down a deeper spiral, a deeper spiral. And so I think we have to cultivate a relationship with the pain and embrace the pain as a friend, as a teacher, as a messenger, as feedback. Like what, what is this pain teaching me? What is this pain showing me about myself? What is this pain trying to communicate to me? Because when we don't listen to the pain, it will manifest as emotional pain, depression. This is how you know you need to surrender, right? Depression, anxiety frustration, constant resentment, lack of energy, physical ailment, a temporary physical ailment, backache, oh, shoulder ache. This is your unconscious trying to speak to you. Ongoing dis-ease. This is your unconscious speaking to you. Or you're attracting, constantly attracting people into your life that reflect to you your suppressed emotion and feeling of pain. Like, why do I attract angry people all the time? Why do I attract, you know, a person in relationship that's always mad, always sad, always depressed? Because you're suppressing that and you're bringing that and attracting that to you energetically, right? And so I think where people can start, ask yourself the question, what lies am I telling myself? What lie? If you want to really, like, how, where do I even begin surrendering? Okay, you don't have to do some mega surrender. I got to go and like be a monk. And No, no, just start in your daily life. Nothing has to change it. But ask yourself this question, what lies am I telling myself? And sit with that. To me, there's no transformation without truth. Truth is real. Truth is real spirituality. Truth is real prayer. What lies am I telling myself? What am I pretending to not know? Because the sneaky ego, which we just talked about, 
it starts negotiating because it's afraid of telling the truth because, oh, if I tell the truth, what will happen to myself? What would happen to my life? And so the ego plays a game of confusion. Like, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure what, what my truth is. I don't know what I should do. We, we know. We know when something isn't right. If, if anyone is lying to themselves now about something, and I said, I'm going to put a gun to your head and a gun to the five people you love the most, but you need to give me the truth about what you feel about your job, about your life, about whatever the situation. Otherwise, in 10 seconds, I blow their brains out. Most of us would have like 99% of us, if not 100% of us, we would have an answer. And probably that answer that we feel deep inside would be what's true. But we deny it because we're afraid of the consequences. So I tell people, take the pressure off of yourself of even taking any action and just acknowledge the truth. Get into relationship with the truth. What lies am I telling myself? What am I pretending to not know? You have to want the truth more than you want what you have. You have to want the truth more than you want what you think you want. The truth will set you free. It begins a process. And so what lies am I telling myself? What am I pretending to not know? What, what, are, what is the cost? of these lies and feel, feel the pain, feel the pain, meditate on the truth. There is no transformation without truth. But if you sit with the truth and you acknowledge the truth and you feel the truth, it, it, the deeper feelings of what's underneath will start rising to the surface. You might feel some grieving, you might feel some sadness, you might feel, and that starts a process inside of transformation and movement. And so if you have pain in your life, likely you know some things to surrender but if you're not sure where to start start by telling yourself the truth it's mm, powerful um yeah also what you said is that life is a life is a constant surrender that's powerful as well it reminds me of a uh there's a deepak chopra quote that i love and he says um he says this moment is as it should be because the yeah. entire universe is as it should be if you struggle against this moment you're struggling against the entire universe suffering and, uh, yeah exactly you can't struggle you against know the flow man it's such a good good point because look, when we're locked in ego identification, right, so tightly locked, from the lens of the ego, we're not able to see the infinite possibilities of a situation. We're not able to see the true meaning of something. We're just looking at this this breakup as like the worst thing that's ever happened to us, but we're looking through a very limited capacity of the ego's lens. We're not able to see how this one moment connects to so many different events and moments. And so if everyone, if you know, from the ego's perspective, we're not able to see what's good about this. We're not able to understand. We're just projecting from a lens of conditioning. But if everyone looks back and you think about a moment where you thought the worst thing in your life had happened. Oh, this is the worst thing in the moment. But now you look back and go, thank God it happened. Like if you think, if everyone, this is a simple example. If everyone thinks back to when you met, you, you were in a relationship, right? I love relationship examples because they're simple. Like we, we're all in relationship at some point. When you fell in love, you madly in love with this guy, this girl, this person. Oh my God, I met my soulmate. You were like, I'm in love. Couldn't imagine life without them. And you broke up. We've all had kind of one of those, right? Mm -hmm. I've been there. And you were devastated. You lost, you lost hope. You kind of gave up on love. You're mad at God. It was just devastating. And you got over it. And now, maybe from today's perspective, you look back and go, what the hell was I thinking? Like, th th thank God that didn't happen. Because if that didn't happen, I wouldn't have moved. And I wouldn't have, like, moved state. And I wouldn't have moved back in with my parents. And I wouldn't have gone to that meeting. And I wouldn't have met my soulmate today. And, and so when things don't go according to plan, from the ego's perspective, we're often not able to see why it's happening in the moment. We're not able to understand what's happening in the moment. But part of surrender is the willingness to not just make up a meaning. We're constantly seeking to make meanings about what something is, but we don't realize that often the mechanism that is meaning about something is in and of itself limited. It's the ego that's making a meaning. Oh, this is not my soulmate. This is my soulmate. This is this. This isn't that. This should be this. And, and, and so now we're imposing a limitation onto an experience rather than if you're really surrendering, say, this is happening. This is for sure, right? X is happening. I don't know why it's happening. So part of surrender is the willingness to embrace the unknown. I don't know why it's happening, but I know it's happening. And the willingness to get curious. You see, when things don't go according to plan, 
we tend to contract, we tend to collapse, we tend to like uh, curse God out, you know, and feel sorry for ourselves in victimhood rather than stepping back and say, I don't know why this is happening. I got to trust that this intelligent universe is unfolding for my highest good, even though I don't see it right now. So rather than trying to impose meaning, step back, breathe, and get curious. Curiosity is a key element of surrender. Why could this be happening? What more amazing thing could be seeking to happen? And you step back and you get curious. Now you're available. Rather than saying, this is what it is, you're available. Say, I don't know. But in that I don't know, there's an infinite openness to true possibilities. That's when you can allow life to lead you. And that's when the magic happens. Part of surrender is the willingness to allow life to lead you. Life to reveal. Life leading you is different than you with your mind pushing life. Because then life is always limited and life will be limited to the level of your past experience. But when you say, I don't know, now there's no limits. Now life can unfold how it needs to unfold for the highest good of your soul's intention and agenda. See, the old paradigm was all about, hey, you got to know what you want, Jackson. You got, you got to know what you want. What do you, what do you want? Get clear on what you want. Get clear. Okay, got to write it down. I'm not saying don't write your goals down, just to be clear. I'm not saying sit, sit on the couch and not plan. But here's what I'm saying. The old paradigm was all about know what you want. Got to get clear. Got to get specific. It's great. But this is the ego-based model of living life. It's an old-based model of living life. We're moving into a new era, a new age, a new possibility, a new way of living. You see, you might get everything you thought you wanted, but at a certain point, you start realizing that everything that you thought you wanted was not what you really wanted. It was just what you thought you wanted based on who you thought you were. And many times our goals and projections can be, our goals can be projections of unmet needs from our childhood. Dad wasn't there, I didn't feel enough. So if I could just get that Lamborghini, that car, that house, then I'm gonna finally be enough. It's great, but it's limiting. So the old question is, what do you want? What do you want? But we don't ask who is the I, who am I that wants? Because when we get clear on who we are, we come from a whole different place. And so the question when you're living surrender is an infinite question. What do I want is a finite question. Infinite question is more about what is it? What is it that life is seeking to manifest through me? What is it that the universe is seeking to express through me? What is it that this divine intelligence is seeking to create through me? What is the deepest impulse of what life is seeking to, to unfold through me, to live through me, to podcast through me, to write through me? What is the deepest intention of life that is seeking to manifest through me? And then to listen to feel that, to attune to that, to, to be obedient to that. Then you can align with that deepest intention of life, nature's intention. Then you can bring your mind, your personality, your planning, your strategy, your resources, your money, et cetera, et cetera, in sync with the inflow of nature. And nature tends to support the manifestation of its own intention. And so I think that's a different way of working. But I think in the last few years with the COVID the pandemic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, whatever we want to call it, on a deeper spiritual level, I feel as though we are all, as a humanity, being initiated, upgraded. We were forced to let go of control. 2020 hit, we had all our plans, boom, COVID, breakdown, this, that, 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 that. not to get political, about it, but a deeper spiritual level, huh. we were thrown into a surrender seminar. And I feel as though consciousness, life was initiating all of us into a deeper way of living, a deeper way of relating to life peeling us off of the addiction to our own ego and control, forcing us to be like, surrender. I don't know what's going to happen today. What Forcing us to practice surrender of just <sighs> being in the unknown so that we can come more into alignment with life itself. Mm. Yes. Um, I know you got, we got a little bit of time here, man. So I, I got a couple more questions for you. Uh, sure, this sure. one is kind of a curveball, but I've heard you mention it before. And through my okay. life, through my life, this has been, uh, through my journey, this has been a, a big part of uh, a, a way to learn surrender, and that's through plant medicine. And I've heard, oh, you, okay. I've, I've heard you mention plant medicine in some of your videos in the past, and I don't know if okay. you have any experience with it or what your thoughts are on it. But uh, well, what's I've your been, specific question? Because I do, I do have some thoughts on it. Do you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Share share your thoughts. Oh, okay. Man. You so, know, so, well, so, as so, far so as here's... surrender, because like I was saying, yes. for me, like um, I've I've done ayahuasca, I've done psilocybin, yes. and yes. Through those experiences, it was a really 
it was like the universe was just the whole lesson in all of them was surrender, surrender, surrender. Yeah, it's yeah. the lesson Absolutely. of life, man. I, th I think, I th look, at a deeper spiritual level, you don't take any of this shit with you. No car, no Lamborghini. I mean, I love cars, but you know, you, you don't take any of it with you at the end of the day. The only take, thing you take with you is the evolution of your consciousness. And so I think that the only thing ultimately that's going on is our evolution here and every experience and every relationship and every, every, everything, every moment of life is conspiring to serve your evolution and awakening to the divine, to your true nature. That's it. Nothing else. Everything else is entertainment, but there's nothing else going on. We sometimes get sidetracked. We sometimes forget, you know, the matrix and media kind of entertains us in the circus of life right and we get distracted so we can get disconnected because if we forget who we are then we think we're just these little limited little beings of these human bodies then we collapse into fear because oh shoot i'm gonna die and so the media there's no interest in you and i knowing who we truly are as infinite beings we're freaking infinite we are infinite beings experiencing itself in limitation not to be limited we are infinite we are infinity incarnated into Infinity, not to be limited, but so that we can become masters in limitation, to find the real freedom that we are, not out here, that we are, to be able to experience the freedom in anything under all conditions. That's freedom. And, and so to me, life is a process of awakening and evolution. And, and so, you know, let's just start off and I'll share my honest thoughts. Let's just start off by saying, Life, this moment, every moment is the medicine. Every moment is the medicine. Life is the medicine. Existence is the medicine. This moment is the medicine. Every moment of life that is happening, that you are breathing, is the medicine. This, this whole thing is the life medicine journey. If you're willing to breathe it in that way and experience it that way and use every moment for your evolution, Boom. That cat, that dog, that homeless person, that, that person that screwed you over, betrayed you, they're your greatest teacher. So every moment is the medicine if you're available and open, right? And, 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 and so I think just allowing that shift. And when you know that you are infinite, there is an infinite dimension that you are. You are freedom itself. Then you also begin to know and experience and understand that you are the medicine. You, me, we, not this body, but you are the medicine. The medicine is you. It's not outside. It's not here. It's not there. It's in you. It's what you are. And I think that is what we are here to awaken to from within. Now, with that said, as a context, right? The plant medicines have a place. Everything has a place. You know, everything has a place. You know, Joe Biden has a place. Donald Trump has a place, right? Your ex-girlfriend, boyfriend has a place. Everything and everyone has a place because everything is medicine. So does plant medicine have a place? Yes, absolutely. And I think, look, in right relationship and right context for centuries and centuries and centuries throughout time, our ancestors have had deeper knowledge and wisdom and access to medicinal herbs and have used them with clear, specific intention to facilitate opening and loosening of our kind of nervous system bodily contraction and egoic sort of like holding on and so in right context right relationship with the right facilitated with the right shaman in the right setting can plant medicine be a beneficial in moments for certain people can it be a beneficial glimpse and opening to a deeper sense of what we are definitely can they have a healing effect for sure for sure you know the so i think what's important is right relationship more than anything and so i think plant medicines can give us a it's like you're skiing right and, and you're going to the mountain like you know what let me take a helicopter to the top because i want to see the mountain top i want to see the mountain see the vista now you get to the top of the mountain Wow, white snow everywhere. This is incredible. This is amazing. Woo, this is in Himalayas. I see all the mountains and skies. I see, I see, I see, you know, uh, uh, birds that I don't even see. I see species up here. This is incredible. Beautiful. You had a glimpse. 
challenge is now we come back down into this physical 3D experience back into our body. So often plant medicines can give an opening. They can give an opening, but heartbreak can give an opening. Death can give an opening, but it can give an opening. But now you come back down into this physical three-dimensional experience. And the challenge is if, if you don't do the mental, emotional, physical, psychological work in the conscious waking state in order to embody that opening, it's just an opening. And I think the danger is in wrong relationship, we sometimes get dependent like we do on other things. We get dependent on plant medicine to do the work for us when I think the plant medicine is just an opening, but the real work needs to be daily life itself and it's an opening and if you don't do the mental emotional integration work to do the daily emotional healing psychological developmental healing the opening isn't able to be embodied in daily life you had the glimpse but it can't be embodied and so maybe someone was a was a jerk before their plant medicine journey they had a glimpse of an opening they now think they're enlightened they're like oh i'm fully awakened enlightened but they just had a glimpse but they're not able to integrate that opening into their nervous system into their physiology into their psyche and they're still kind of a jerk they just had an opening so now maybe they're sort of like a jerk on steroids you know because now they're confusing infinite beingness with what i am like I, i'm god and now ego kind of attaches to this experience so i think the opening is beautiful but the work is necessary and in right relationship, I think it's important that we don't use plant medicine as a crutch. And I see, if I can be honest, I see many people using plant medicine as a crutch. Oh, I got, I'm going through something in my life. Let me do some ketamine. Oh, I'm going through something in my life. Let, let me do some you know, plant medicine. I'm going through something in my life. Let me do some. I need some answers. Let me do ayahuasca. I need to, let me do peyote. And I'm saying there's nothing wrong with any of these things. But in right relationship, because a really sacred plant medicine journey can, can loosen things create an opening, but if you do it, it could take you years to integrate. It could take you a decade to integrate, five years to integrate. But when we start getting dependent on these things outside of ourselves to gain access to what is already inside of us, we forget we are the medicine and we're seeking outside. And we have to just be aware of that. And so what we have to be willing to do on the spiritual path, I don't believe there's a way you can hack yourself there. You can't hack yourself to awakening enlightenment because the truth is, we're all already awakened. It's our nature. You know, being awake, being enlightened, being, being, being truly awake is nothing special. It's nothing exotic. It's not blue lights and pineal gland. It, 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 it's, it's what we are, man. It's our nature. You, me, Pablo Escobar, Mother, we are all already awakened. We may have forgotten. We may not be aware, but you can't become what you are. You can't, like, like, like Jackson, you're a guy, right? You can't become that. I can't become, my, my father's African, my mother's Japanese. I can't become African. I am that on, on, on a human level. So you can't become what you are. You're already infinite being, whether you're in touch with that or not. And, and so right relationship is important. Because if not, we end up, we can end up, I think, giving our power away when the medicine is inside of us. The medicine could give you access but it's inside of us. And I think we have to have the courage to go inside and do the work. Because here's the thing. If you're constantly relying on this external factor, then when the storm hits, and the storm's going to hit, the snow's going to fall, the shit's going to fly. When the storm hits, and life's just climbed that mountain, you haven't done the mental, emotional climb. You haven't necessarily done the daily work to climb the mountain to get to the top of the mountain so you won't have the mental, emotional, psychological, spiritual stamina. You relied on, on this helicopter to get you to the top. And now when it comes time to climb, when pandemics hit, when breakups happen, when th you, just, you can just fall flat. Truth is you're an infinite being. And I think it's important to do the daily emotional, psychological work, which is life itself. You got to lift the weight, man. You got to lift the weight. You've got to lift the weights, lift the weight every day. It's not sexy. It's sometimes it's not blue lights. Sometimes it's not like having a otherworldly experience. It's just being in life and being in ordinary life and daring to like, I'm going to choose to love right now, even though I don't feel like it. I'm going to choose to be kind right now. To me, real spirituality, my friend, is, to, is, 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 and this is coming from someone that grew up in this world of like miracles and esoteric stuff and seeing my father, you know, touch people with, uh, who hadn't walked in 10 years to stand up out of wheelchairs. I grew up in a lot of miraculous otherworldly stuff as a child. 
I think real spirituality is not some woo-woo stuff. Real spirituality is how do you live your life every day? Real spirituality is like, can you show up on time? Can you keep your agreements? Can you communicate? Can you be impeccable with your word? Can you just be kind? Can you be a kind person? You know, so on some level, I say, yeah, you saw the blue light in the other world, but we're not living in the other world. We're living here right now. And it, it, and to me, nothing is more powerful than you see that old woman over there struggling. Can you be kind and show up? I don't care what happened in, in some other 15th dimension. Right in front of you is a manifestation of the divine in that form of that old woman and homeless person. Can you show up and help them? That is the medicine. That's living the medicine. And so for me, I think we have to live it and embody it. And so I'm not anti-anything, you know. I'm just saying right relationship is, is what's important. But I firmly believe that we all have the capacity to access those dimensions inside of ourselves through our own spiritual practice and find out, like, whoa, the medicine has been me all along yeah okay yeah that makes sense um i got this this question i i have to ask and um it's a and i know you'll have a good answer and and i i believe that a lot of people wonder about this because it's something that most people's belief in this question is based on what they've been told but i believe you have to be able to answer this question through your own experience sure and that is what is god I think what's not God, really, you know, I don't know if I have much to say because anything I say about what God is, is just words and is not, if you could name it, it's not. So I would just say, well, what's not God? Everything is God. So what's not God? It's all God. You know, my best answer would be this. If you're listening on audio, this is my answer. There was, you know, Several seconds of silence. It's like, how do you put a label to God? Because whatever you say God is, it's beyond that. It's the formless. It's the form. It's all of existence. It's everything and nothing. Everything is a manifestation of God. It's all, to me, this whole, this whole play of life is God manifesting itself in a multiplicity of form, experiencing itself as everything and everyone. So what's not God? You want to meet God? Look around. You're God. I'm God. Everything is. Everything is it. Then every moment is holy, man. You know, every moment is sacred. Every moment is like special. Every moment is, 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 is like a holy moment. You know, just making love to one's lover changing the diapers, that's God. It's all of it is, you know, maybe I'll wrap with the story, but I remember going to India and I had, a, I had a beautiful teacher who passed away at 98 or 99 years old. I met him when I was maybe 20 years old and his name was Dwakoji. He was a, he, would, he wasn't a great, like a big philosopher, you know, he was a former disciple of Gandhi for 50, for 60, almost 70 years of his life. Uh, he, when I, yeah, when I met him, I was 50, so 70 years of his life by the time he died, he basically served the underprivileged kids of, in the poorest state in India. 300 schools for the underprivileged kids, the largest eye camp in the world, uh, built orphanages. I mean, this man didn't talk a talk. Many of us, we talk a talk. This man was a man of action, man of service, in action, right? And he, I spent time with him. And, and the first time I met him, I was maybe 20, 21, I had these romantic ideas of knowing God and being enlightened and, and you know, being of service. And, and so I spent two months in his ashram. And his ashram was an orphanage. And, and I'd sit with him every day, 5 a.m. in the morning, talk about life and Gandhi and service and what have you. And, and I, you know, I would basically serve his children. And these were orphans that he found on the street, orphans that he found in trash cans that would be given to him. And these weren't socialized kids. And so after about two weeks, <laughs> I lasted two weeks. You know, after about two weeks, I said to him, Duakuji, I'm a bit tired because these kids don't appreciate anything. You know, they don't talk to you. They're just not, they've never been loved, right? And, and so 
I'm like, I'm a bit tired. I'm going to go. Like he lit, His ashram was literally opposite the Bodhi tree where the Mahabodhi temple was in Bodhgaya. And uh, I said to him, look, I'm going to go meditate by the Bodhi tree. And uh, I'm going to go and spend some time there. And it would be great to maybe I come back. And I'm going to go meditate. I'm here to get enlightened. And this beautiful 80-year-old man at the time, no judgment in his eyes, he said to me, in a very thick Indian accent, he said to me, it's great that you go and meditate by the Bodhi tree. It's beautiful. Do it if you need but don't, when you're meditating, just make sure your heart doesn't turn to stone next to the Buddha statue. Because right here, in this very humble ashram, no great anything here. These children in front of you are living Buddhas, living Christs. In front of you is the divine, the manifestation of the divine that is waiting to be served. So go meditate if you need. <laughs> but remember that right here is God. And that really stuck with me. You know? Mm. Beautiful, man. That's powerful. Good, good, uh, good, good story to to end it end it here, man. Cause I know you got to get going. We've been doing this a while. I could let you talk forever, man. I appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you. Um yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for everything. And um let anybody know where they can find you, man. Yeah, best couple of ways. Um, if you've been inspired by the conversation, check out the book, The Magic of Surrender. Get it on um, Amazon. It's available now on sale, the paperback version. If you've been inspired by the conversation today, maybe you feel a calling to go deeper. Maybe you felt a calling to make a difference in people's lives in some way. You feel ready to unravel and heal your conditioning, connect to your authentic self and share your gifts with the world. Twice a year, for the last 10 years, I do an event in Bali, Indonesia. Uh, it's called Boundless Bliss. It's powerful. It's intensive. It's experiential. It's immersive. I think there's nothing like it in the world. I've done 20 of these events. We take 18 people at a time, and it's truly life-changing. And so when this is the last year, 2023, I'm doing this event. The next event is July the 28th to August the 8th. So it's coming up not too far off. If you feel inspired, find out more, uh, www.boundlessblissbali.com. That's boundlessblissbali.com. You can find out all the info there and apply. Um, my main website, Kute Blackson, K-U-T-E, Blackson, B-L-A-C-K-S-O-N.com. Instagram, Kute Blackson, Facebook, Kute Love Now, my, my podcast, Soul Talk. Beautiful. Thank you, Coot. Guys, make sure you check out everything Coot's doing. Check out his book, too. Um, like I said, I've read that book two times now. It's a good book. A lot of good reminders in there about surrender. And uh, Coot, thank you for being here, man. I appreciate, appreciate it. You. And maybe we'll do it again in the future. Thank you so um, much. Yeah. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you, man. <laughs>